hallelujah, God, your goodness chases us down. Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, thank you for moments like this that remind us of how good you are, how faithful you have been, and how faithful you will continue to be. Lord, even in our faithlessness, you remain faithful. And we are thankful for your goodness, your grace, that chases us and comes to us and helps us. Oh, Lord, right where we are today, right where we have been, where we find ourselves now, we reflect on your goodness. Oh, Lord, where we have erred, where we have wandered, where we have grown cold today, this moment, you draw close and you're reminding us, you are good. You are good. We honor you now, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right where you're at, say amen. Thank God for his goodness. I dare you to clap and give God praise in your home, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you are watching today. So good to be with you this morning. Let me draw your attention to the Word of God today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, New Testament, Acts chapter 2. While you're getting there, just in case you missed it, we have plans uh, to reopen live again in person in two weeks on Sunday, June the 7th, uh, so not far from now. So be on the lookout for more details coming soon this week for that. We're excited. We're looking forward to being together and having everybody together again. Acts chapter 2, give you a moment to get there. I want to start off by, today by telling you about a story about two fires. Anyone ever heard of the Centralia Mine Fire? I hadn't either until, until I read about it. But there's a fire that has been burning underground since 1962, and it's not expected to burn out for another 250 years. It's a coal seam fire burning underground in Pennsylvania, probably started by burning some trash and is now continually burning in coal mines more than 300 feet deep and stretching more than eight miles in length. It will and probably eventually burn out in about 250 years. So over the last 60 years, this fire has been, or close to 60 years, this fire has been burning. The town once had a few thousand residents. Now the town has dwindled down to less than 10 due to the fire, a fire that has caused devastation and decrease and reduction in quality of life. There's also another fire about, that's been burning for about 2,000 years. Nearly 2,000 years ago, a match was lit that would eventually ignite the whole world. After Jesus' ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon Jerusalem and about 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord and became followers of Jesus. That's amazing. The Spirit of God lit a flame that birthed the church. 
And that fire hasn't stopped burning ever since. Unlike the Centralia mind fire, this spirit fire is adding, giving, producing significant life and life change. That fire hasn't burned and it's continuing to burn and continuing to grow and grow and grow. Let's look at that here in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. It said, those who believed what Peter said, they were baptized and they were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. It said, all those believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Added every single day. Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he was building a church that the gates of hell could not prevail. And Paul writes of him in Ephesians 5, about Jesus, that he loved the church so much that he gave himself for her. A church that Jesus is building, a church that Jesus has given his life for, that fire of the Holy Spirit in God's people has been burning for nearly 2,000 years. You know, the church is, is many things, and one thing in particular I want to talk about today, the word church is mentioned over 70 times in the New Testament, and the word body of Christ is mentioned about 15 times or so in the New Testament. And the church is, is many things, but one thing I, I want to zero in on today that I've titled today's message is the church is relational. The church is relational. You know, because the Godhead is relational, because Jesus is relational, the New Testament church that Jesus is building must also be relational. Ultimately, one can't say, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with church. The church isn't perfect. And when you attach yourself to the head who is Christ, you automatically become a part of the body, the church. And for nearly 2,000 years, this church, the church of Christ, has, has been growing and growing and growing. The church isn't perfect. The church has had its fair share of, of mistakes and missteps. But the church must be doing something right because the fire of God in the church hasn't gone out for nearly 2,000 years and it's not going to go out. So the church must be doing something, must be headed in the right direction on many, many areas ultimately because Jesus is the head of the church and anything that Jesus is head of, anything he leads, anything he's in charge of, anything he can get his hands on is going to prosper, is going to succeed, is not going to fail. He said, I'm building a church that the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against it. Not gonna happen. 2,000 years. Well, it's been about 10 weeks 
since we've been able to gather together in person. We're preparing to reopen live, like I said, on Sunday, June the 7th, in two weeks. Uh, Details coming. But as we prepare for this moment to come together again in person, it's important to recall, I think, one of the greatest natural relationships that God gives the believer on earth, and that is a relationship with the local church. The relationship with the local church. And so, for the next few minutes, I want to share about three negative side effects that can happen in a person's life when we don't connect relationally with the church. Number one, when we don't connect relationally with the church, we can tend to drift spiritually. When we don't connect relationally with the church, we can tend to drift spiritually. Look at what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 11. He said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Jump down to verse 16. He, Christ, makes each, excuse me, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God in Christ gives the church these five gifts. These five gifts, what are also known as the five-fold gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are responsible for leading God's church. And in that leading, they have certain functions and certain responsibilities that they provide to the church, to the believers, to edify them, to build them up, to equip them, to help us to grow and mature in the Lord, to challenge us, to lead before us and to model before us, and to help the church do its part and function well and function at a healthy pace. Think about this. With these five-fold gifts, when we connect relationally, we have the advantage of these gifts operating in our life. The pastor will embrace us and encourage us and walk with us. The teacher will equip us with the Word and instruct us on how to understand it and walk it out. The apostle will establish our life with authority in the kingdom, in the church. The evangelist will reach out to me in compassion and draw me back to the Lord when I'm prone to wander. The prophet will empower me with hope that, man, I can become everything God intends for me to be. But without these fivefold gifts, we miss out. When we don't connect relationally, our lives tend to drift spiritually because these gifts are not in operation in our life. And so without these fivefold gifts working in our life, perhaps I won't know what it's like to be embraced. I won't know what it's like to have someone walk with me and encourage me. Without these fivefold gifts, perhaps I won't have the opportunity then to be equipped in the Lord, to understand God's word and how to walk it out. I won't, I won't know 
what it's like to be built up in faith. I won't know what it's like to be taught how to grow in the Lord and mature in the Lord. I won't know what it's like to become everything God intends for me to be. And I certainly won't know what it's like to be there to help my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. All of this that Paul writes here in Ephesians 4 is talked about. And when we aren't connected relationally as people in the church, then we tend to drift and drift spiritually. But these gifts are in operation in our life to help us, to speak into us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to be there for us, and to show us that, hey, we each have a part to play. We each have a place that we belong in the church. And as we do our part, when we commit to our part and we connect relationally in the church, then we can help each other grow. We can help each other become everything God wants. But there's a second uh, negative side effect as well. When we don't connect relationally in the church, we can tend to delay our destiny. We can tend to delay our destiny. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 10. It's so crazy when you look about, when you think about it, the majority of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, he spent a majority of his early life trying to tear down the church. Trying to tear it down, trying to rip it apart, trying to just shred it. And now God has gotten a hold of him and his responsibility in taking the time to write and what he practiced and what he did in ministry was to help build the church. How God can redeem our life is amazing. Certain things that we might yield ourselves to and give ourselves to outside of the Lord can be destructive, can be a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of our life. But then when God comes in, he redeems it. He can take that and turn it around, and you can use that life to do something wonderful and something good with it. And that's what Paul is expressing here. Look at what he says in Romans 10, verse 11. Or excuse me, verse 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that, everyone. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter where, you call on his name. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. You see, when we don't connect relationally with the church, we can tend to delay the destiny that God created us for. You know, through every season of life, God in his sovereignty and his wisdom and in his love and his mercy and his compassion for us, he always puts people in our path that will help steer us onward towards our destiny. Think about your life thus far, the different places, the different people, the different seasons, and the way God has used different ones throughout your life so far that have helped you? Where did you go to when you were sad? Where did you, who did you turn to when you were down? Who did you rely on when things weren't going so well? Who did you think to call when things were wonderful? Who did you think to text or, or DM when something great was happening? Other people, right? Absolutely. Relational. And God always puts the right people in our path in every season of our life to help us move onward in our destiny. I know for me personally, nearly 29 years ago this summer, God put 
a Nazarene evangelist in my path to preach the good news to me, and I got saved at a Nazarene church nearly 29 years ago. Fast forward a few years, God put a wonderful, amazing youth pastor in my life who helped disciple me and mentor me and take time with me. Also in that church, God put a wonderful and amazing man of God, a senior pastor who, who helped to guide me and speak some wisdom in my life and kind of sh- and shepherd me onward in the right direction for my destiny. And everything in between, God always made sure he put the right circle of friends in my life to help support me and encourage me. You know, show us your friends today and that will be a picture of your future tomorrow. God always puts the right people in our path, but we can only take advantage of those right people if we're connected relationally to the right people. If we disconnect ourselves or isolate ourselves or keep ourselves away from the relationship with the church, then friends, we will delay our destiny. Perhaps if I told the invitee to that youth group meeting 29 years ago that, hey, I'm not going. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got a time for that. I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Destiny delayed. Perhaps if I was kicking and screaming about going to a certain church and and I just lied and told my parents I went, but I really didn't go, destiny delayed. Would not have known what it would have been like to have someone take their time with me and befriend me and encourage me and walk with me and open the scriptures to me and take time to mentor and disciple me in the things of the Lord. Friends, when we disconnect relationally and we don't connect relationally, we will always tend to delay the destiny God has for our life. You know, God supplies gifts to the church. I mentioned those fivefold gifts earlier in Ephesians 4. God supplies gifts to the believer as well to use for the benefit of others. Think about this. Where would you be if someone else did not use their gift to help you? And where will others be if you fail to use your gift to help them? God has some things to say about gifts. In Romans 12, verse 6, he tells us that we should discover these gifts. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out as much without, with as much faith as God has given you. And he goes on to list several other gifts, but he's getting into, hey, if God has given you this gift, you need to understand it. You need to discover that gift. How can you begin to discover your gifts? Well, one, you can ask God to show you, pray and ask the Lord, and he will begin to show you and enlighten you about how he has wired you and what he has put inside of you. There are other ways you can discover your gift by being connected relationally in the church. You begin to put yourself out there to be available and to say, God, here, show me, teach me. I need to know more. You can take spiritual gift tests. There's several different times, types. We have them here at our church. We give them in our membership process. We give them in our small groups. We give them in serve teams. We have them available. If you'd like to take one, I would encourage you to take one, and it can help show you your higher strengths and your gifts of what God has put inside of you. But God also tells us another thing about the gifts. Once you discover your gifts, you need to use your gifts. 1 Peter 4.10, 1 
Peter writes, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. We all have these gifts from God, but we've got to discover them. And once we discover them, then we've got to use those gifts. And then he also tells us in 2 Timothy 1.6. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame or to stir up the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Stir up, stoke, kindle, fan into flame the gifts on the inside of you. Why? Because sometimes when gifts aren't used or gifts haven't been noticed, haven't been discovered, they have to be stirred. We've got to go to the Lord and ask God, God, get a hold of my heart. God, get a hold of my life. God, open up my eyes and open up my ears and open up my life to where I can know you, but I can also begin to know what you've put inside of me so I can begin to see how you want to use my life. Not everyone is called to function as the five-fold gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but we are all called in the body of Christ to use the spiritual gifts that he has given us. And oftentimes, those gifts can get cold and those gifts can can kind of fall down and we've got to stir them up and keep ourselves fanned into flame ready for the Lord to use our life because there are gifts that he gives and the gifts that he gives us are for the benefit of other people. We have to use those gifts. You see, when we don't connect relationally to the church, we delay our destiny and perhaps we can delay others because we're not using the gifts God has given me. Think about your life. Where would you be if someone did not use their gift to help you? I can't imagine where my life would be if the people over the last 29, 30 years that I know of that I came in contact with just said, you know, I'm not going to use my gift here. I'm not going to use my gift there. It's just something real silly, but real simple, real elementary here, but I happened to get on Facebook for just a few minutes this morning, and I saw someone that I knew from years ago uh, state, say something to the effect that they, they, um, they had a bad day yesterday, and they didn't do so well. And then he said, but today's a new day. I'll start again. I, th- I thought, oh, I'm just going to keep on going. And the Spirit checked me and reminded me, you're about to preach on gifts. You have a gift of encouragement. Go back to that thread and type in a comment that will encourage that person. So I did. I went back up, found that, typed in a little encouragement. I said something to the effect that God's mercies are new every day. Great is his faithfulness. I don't know if they'll see it or acknowledge it, but if they do, may it encourage them. And who knows, it could be one little thing from someone they used to know that took a moment to type something in. I know that's simple. I know that's like so like elementary to think that or to say that. But I guess in the big picture of life, we just never know what moment God will use from any one of us that could help encourage us to get over a bad day that we might have had. But it comes when we connect relationally. And the third, the third negative side effect when a person doesn't connect relationally with the church is this. We can tend to drop morally. We can tend to drop Morally, look at what Paul says in, the Gal- in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. It's a good reminder. (laughs) It's a very good reminder. Question, if I'm not connected relationally to a church, how can I be restored back to the right path? Also, how can I help someone else be restored back to the right path? See, when we're not connected relationally, our moral compass tends to drop and kind of gets further and, and, and further off course. Think about it. When we're not connected to the right group, our moral compass has a, has a way of kind of getting off beat, getting off track, getting off course. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who are the ones who are most susceptible to the devil prowling and pouncing on? It's the ones who are not tightly connected to the flock. The one who is separated, isolated from the fold. Those are the ones. You see, the enemy just has a way of waiting around. And Peter says, you need to watch out. You need to stay alert. You need to be on the lookout. Because the enemy is circling. The enemy is, is, is poised. He's, he's ready to pounce. Who does he pounce on? Who does he get a hold of? As he watches the fold, as he watches the flock, he looks for the ones who get offended and don't come back to church as often. He looks for the one who who maybe gets convicted but fails to repent and tries to live life their own way. He looks for the one who walks around in condemnation all the time, feeling like, man, I'm not worthy to even be here. He looks for that one who slowly and slowly starts to separate from the fold. He doesn't get on you right away. doesn't pounce on them right away. Because he's not going to mess with you the closer you are to the flock. The closer you are to the flock, he knows you're all up in there, connected, feel something and all that. He waits for you to get a little bit further and further away from the fold. And then when he gets, when you get a little bit further and further away from the fold, that's when he makes his move. That's when he strikes. And friends, that's why we have to stay watchful. We have to stay alert. We have to pay attention to the proximity of our relationship, not only with Christ, but with Christ's body, the church. Connected relationally. You know, a, a relationally connected New Testament church follows the one another's of the New Testament. There's a lot of one another's in the New Testament. Or how can we walk out the one another's if we're not connected relationally to one another? Romans 12:10 says be kindly affectionate to one another. 
Galatians 5.26, don't provoke or envy one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving of one another. Philippians 2.2, be in, in harmony with one another. Colossians 3.13, be gentle and forbearing with one another. I only got 32 more, I'm kidding. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another. James 5.16, pray for one another. A relationally connected New Testament church lives these one another's, walks them out. And how can you if you're not connected relationally to one another? I want to close with a story. It says, a man was asked to paint a boat. He brought his paint and his brushes and began to paint. Painted it bright red, just as the owner asked him to. While painting, he noticed a small hole in the hole, and he just quietly repaired it. When he finished painting, he received his money, and he went on his way. Well, the next day, the owner of the boat came to him and presented him with a nice check much higher than the payment for the painting. Well, the painter was surprised. He, he was like, you, you already paid me for painting the boat. What's this for? And he goes, well, the owner said, this money is not for the paint job. It's for repairing the hole in the boat. Well, the guy said, that, that was just such a small service. It, it's not worth paying me that much for something just so insignificant. Oh, the owner said, my dear friend, you don't understand. He said, let me, let me tell you tell you what happened he said when I asked you to paint the boat I forgot to mention there was a hole when the boat dried my kids took the boat out on a fishing trip they didn't know there was a hole in the boat I was not at home at the time when I returned and noticed they'd taken the boat I was desperate because I remembered that the boat had a hole imagine my relief and my joy when I saw my children returning from fishing I examined the boat found that you had repaired the hole you see what you did you saved the life of my children so I don't have enough money to pay you for your small insignificant deed as you say continue to help sustain wipe tears listen attentively and carefully repair all the leaks you find because you never know when one is in need or when God holds a pleasant surprise for us to be helpful and important to someone else. The reception of gaining all of these things and more, they don't just happen. They happen when we open our life up be connected relationally Jesus declared that he would build a church so expansive so full of energy so full of life that the gates of hell would not prevail one of the greatest natural relationships a believer is gifted with from God 
on earth is that relationship with the church. Jesus died, gave himself for her. She's been around for nearly 2,000 years, and she's not going anywhere. The church, my friends, is worth investing your heart, your soul, your strength, and your life into because what you gain is so much greater than what we could ever imagine. I want to pray for you today as we close up. And after I pray, we'll have an opportunity to come together as a church and to give our tithe and our offering and hear of a few special updates and ways we can continue to stay connected. Will you pray with me? Father, I give you so much honor and so much glory today. I thank you for this privilege. I didn't know nearly 29 years ago when in your ways you connected me relationally with the church through Christ. You would call me to preach. You'd call me to pastor. Lord, sometimes I've let things get in my way. I've let things get a hold of me. I've let myself take me down. But you have been so good to me. And every time you've raised me back up and you've given me just the right thing that I needed to keep on moving in my destiny. I'm so thankful, God, you don't let ourselves and other things get the best of us, even though at times we feel that way. And there may be some today watching this service who feel empty, who feel just completely drained. They, com- they feel removed from the church and from your ways and your purpose. And today I pray that you would get a hold of every heart and every life that's watching this right now. And just like you're so good at, you run after us. You chase us. You pursue us because you have a destiny and a life for us to live in you. Bring us back to you. Lord, and those of us who may feel close, and feel knit, may we be reminded how good that feeling feels to where we never want to leave, that we want to stay right in the center of the fold. Lord, bless every home, bless every life, bless every person now with your love and with your purpose, I pray.